And we teach kids that, that 100% of us are leaders in that 100% of us are influencers. Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we, that's you, me, us, we're just trying to make the world 10% nicer by any means necessary. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today's guest is the truly super nice Lori Woodley, who's the founder and chief executive officer of All It Takes. All It Takes is a nonprofit organization that equips youth and educators with essential emotional intelligence skills to successfully navigate their lives and support their communities. Their super nice work cultivates safer schools and communities through experiential social emotional learning methodology. Yeah, big words, lots of them all clumped together, but we'll, we'll unpack that. Just keep listening. Okay, they, they teach young people at critical life stages to practice empathy, awesome, compassion, great initiative, super nice, responsibility, and purpose in order to create sustainable, positive outcomes. And I am so super behind this as part of making our shared world nicer, especially as it's the young people that are going to be dealing with it, the world, the, the uh, consequences of our choices, the longest right? It's um, super simple lifespan math, folks. Uh, In fact, Lori has a great equation, that's right, uh, that she'll introduce that will make it dead obvious. So just wait for it. Uh, Lori's also going to talk about why, uh, you know, kids are awesome and need to be respected and empowered and trusted so much more than than we currently do, than, than they currently are. Uh, if, if, you, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that that uh, there's kind of a red thread that we attack helicopter parenting at every opportunity because it just it disempowers and disrespects in a way that ends up getting passed down through generations, just like other types of abuse. I know that sounds harsh. I know that helicopter parenting this it's coming from a good place. But uh, I really do think that overprotection is is kind of abusive. And it's definitely kind of weird. You know, it's like, what's going on with that? Anyway, sorry, don't get me started. I mean, I got me started. Whatever, you get it. And and you love me, right? Right? You do, right? (sighs) Yeah, I have this this need for constant affirmation that's exhausting. It's totally exhausting. Yeah, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I don't know. You choose. Am I kidding? Am I not kidding? I don't know. Depends. Okay. So do you want to encourage leadership qualities in the young people in your world? I mean, don't you see how great that'll be for them, encouraging them to be leaders? And and for the older generation, that they're going to be literally nursing one day. If so, listen in, learn more about what Lori and her team, what they've dedicated their lives to. This is their passion. Uh, I love it, which means you probably will because you and me, we're just like soulmates, right? Maybe not. I mean, like platonic soulmates. Like, um, it's too far. Uh, podcast soulmates. Yeah, we're podcast soulmates, you and me. So you're going to love this. All right. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But since this is episode 75, I am going to read to you like I tend to do from whatever book I'm currently reading, which right now is uh, the classic and incredible 
slouching towards Bethlehem by the irreplaceable all-time genius Joan Didion. All right, 75. It'll make sense, don't worry. Uh, in a way, it is impossible to talk about Joan Baez without talking about Ira Sandpearl. One of the men on the planning commission said I was being led down the primrose path by the lunatic fringe, Miss Baez giggles. Iris said maybe he's the lunatic and, and his beard's the fringe. Iris Sandpearl is a 42-year-old native of St. Louis who has, besides the beard, a shaved head, a large nuclear disarmament emblem on his corduroy jacket. I love corduroy. I know, you don't, but I do. Corduroy jacket, glittering and slightly messianic eyes, a high-cracked laugh, and the general look of a man who has, all his life, followed some imperceptibly, imperceptibly but fatally askew rainbow. This is from an essay entitled Where the Kissing Never Stops, and it's about Joan Baez, the folk singer, uh, and the school she founded in the mid-1960s called, oh, what's it called? The Institute for the Study of Nonviolence, I think. Um, this book, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, is so worth a read. And there's a documentary about Joan Didion called The Center Will Not Hold that is just arresting and poignant and gorgeous and, and sad and inspiring and, and all the things and all the feels. So go watch it. If you don't know who Joan Didion is, go watch it. If you do go watch it, pretty sure I'm going to write in Didion on my 2024 presidential ballot. Yeah, seriously. Okay, one more thing before we launch into this great episode. I know, I know. Just you can always, you know, you can always fast forward. You don't have to listen to this part. Just Cut to the real part. That's what I do with podcasts. I always skip the, the host rambling. Who cares? Anyway, the Super Nice Club is coming your way this fall, COVID permitting. The Bring the Nice Tour. Did I say that right? Bring the Nice. I was trying to say it in kind of a death metal voice, but it didn't come out right. Bring the Nice. <laughs> this is getting awful. Uh, is we're, we're, we're hitting major U.S. metros where, you know, wherever we're wanted, basically. So if you want us, reach out. If you want to help us organize your local nice event, uh, there'll be 80% just have super nice times with super nice people and 20% do super nice stuff in your community. Uh, so if you want to help with that, we want to hear from you. Just text text me directly right into my pocket, 310-421-0393. If you didn't get that number, rewind it. I'm not going to say it again. I'm just not feeling that nice today. Pretty nice. I'm feeling pretty nice today, like 6% nicer than um, year to date, you know, a year ago. Oh, no weird photos, please, by text. Just words about you wanting to help. Cool? All right, let's do this. Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with super nice Lori Woodley. Lori, Lori Woodley, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us here on Nice Work. How are you? I'm so good, Todd. Thank you for having me here. It feels, um, I feel blessed to be able to be here and talk about being nice, what you're doing and uh, what we're doing. It's really yeah. great. Thank you. We're going to talk about what you're doing. That's, that's, <laughs> the, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. Oh, where are you? Where, where are you at? Where's your office? Uh, we're in um, northern LA County up in Simi Valley, California. Okay, so not too far from me. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're in California. A little bit north. Yeah, I'm down in Brentwood, uh, oh, LA. Yeah. Not not Brent. There's a Brentwood in the Bay Area as well. Yeah. Actually, gets, gets my my in-laws live in Brentwood in the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. There you go. You're familiar with it. We're going to talk about what you're doing with All It Takes, which you co-founded and you run it. Right. You're the day-to-day commander in chief. Correct. I am. I'm the visionary commander in chief. 
it goes right, it's on me, it goes wrong, it's on me, yep, it's me. <laughs> Great. So let's just start there. All it takes is just do the, what's the mission, what's the goal, and then we'll just sort of unspool, and I'm sure I'll have a lot of naive questions, and you can roll your eyes, but nobody listening to this will see the eye roll, so it's fine. Okay. Feel free. I don't know that I'll ever roll my eyes, but we'll see. We'll see what you're, where we get to. So um, all it takes is 10 years old. We founded in 2010, as you said, co-founded with my daughter. And we really started with the purpose of really elevating awareness and action behind three areas, youth leadership, which is what we are solely focused on now. And at the time, though, we focused also on health awareness and environmental stewardship. And then it was too big, like those were really lofty and really great. And with, you know, me becoming really the primary impetus and the, and the you know, kind of the driver, my background being in youth and is where we had to start to focus. And so we've been doing that for 10 years. And our, our mission now, we really actually elevated it a couple years ago, is to equip youth with essential emotional intelligence skills to navigate their lives and to support their communities. So it's, you know, we really believe that we have to be really whole ourselves in order to be able to offer out in selfless ways. But we have to pay attention to ourselves also. So, you know, some of us only pay attention outward and some of us only pay attention inward. And where's that balance? Where, where are you reaching the youth? Are you reaching them in person, online, um, just in California? What's the, what's the range here and where? Well, until, you know, March, 2020, the way we reached youth was all in person, mostly in California, but we had developed a program. Well, our original flagship program is Legacy Summit, and that program just the year before the pandemic hit had started to reach not only um, across our United States, but also across the oceans. So the last Legacy Summit we had prior to the pandemic, we had kids from Portugal join us. So we really had become international. The Legacy that was going to happen in 2020 also had kids from um Gosh, out in the in just the far rural area of of England, also going to come. When I look at your website, your talk of bringing these these young humans up into their role as leaders that they ideally, you know, they should all be born into, right? It yeah. just feels um, it feels great. I love the, I love the approach, and so I'm just kind of curious where the inspiration is. Is that from all of your learnings as a school counselor? Did you take a model that you found somewhere else or is this all from scratch? It's all from scratch. Um, wow. It all does come from really years. I, I think the, the desire to have all it takes does come from what I was doing on school campuses for almost 30 years when I was in middle school primarily, but then even elementary school counseling. And, and then, you know, even in the last, say, eight, 10 years, I look at what I'm doing now and not only in my experiences as a counselor, but really what were my experiences as a kid, right? So we all, there's no way to just like eliminate what was our lives into what we're currently doing, right? So when I look at it, I really understand that the really shy, terrified child, youth, mm-hmm. um, who was me, don't call on me in class. I will refuse to raise my hand, picked on a lot, never felt secure in my own shoes, didn't know who I was. Like all of those questions that I had really did drive where I went 
But I mm-hmm. actually didn't even see that until maybe eight, 10 years ago and really start to really look deeply at some of my choices based on my past. And then the empathy and compassion I have for students who are like me, but also the students who weren't like me. How, how did that happen? How was it that I didn't feel safe? What would it take for others to help me feel safe? And what would it have taken for me to feel more confident that I belonged? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that that's a big piece of what got me interested in that career. And then the career itself gave me the skills and the tools and the insights to go, this is how we do it. I love that you remember so clearly what you went through and what it felt like to you as a young person. I think that's a surprisingly difficult thing for too many adults. They, they, they seem to forget quite often and they lose that ability to then relate to the next generation coming up. And that, like, when does that happen? When I've always called it this like sort of going gray. Uh, that's just the way I thought about it. And I remember seeing it in my peers as early as the early 20s, like already kind of forgetting what it was like to be in high school and already having a dismissive attitude and these things. And I love that that's where you're coming from, that you keep that fresh in yourself. The kids that are involved in this, do the parents typically come to you or do you have partners within the school system that you then go in and identify classes or individual kids? How does it, where does that relationship start? Well, I mean, because of my background as a counselor with multiple different districts, Mm -hmm. more of the contacts come through schools and through connections with maybe other nonprofits, Boys and Girls Club, like our reach out, um, and then school districts. Uh, The students don't usually find us. That's definitely something that we look at as one of our areas for expansion later where, you know, kids are following us too. But really, Kids who already have done our program find us and they share also. So we not only bring kids in on an initial, you are a, you know, a participant, but then we staff all of our programs with kids who've been, who are now in service as mentors. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. How cool. And what age range are these, are these kids? So legacy is ages seventh grade to ninth grade or 12 to 15. Those are the the general ages. Uh, It's it's preventive age, old enough Mm -hmm. to be mature enough to to really kind of take a deep dive into emotion and what matters to me and really start to look at that and ask those purposeful questions, but not too old to have already made a decision on the direction for life. Now, we also have kids who are in high school who missed us. They didn't know about us when they were in middle school. So we bring them in as mentors in training. So we really don't turn the turn away from anybody. Mm-hmm. But the, the age for enrollment in Legacy is like 12 to 15. So if a parent is listening out there and by the time we're done talking, they're like, oh, man, I would just love that for my kid. Is this something where they would go to their school and try to work with their school counselor to bring all it takes in? Or would they reach out to you directly? How would an interested um, parent or group of parents kick this off? So we have kids who come what we call as independent enrollment. So we have kids who just will come from other states and their parents contact us and they enroll as individuals. Uh, And we have most of our groups that come are bringing a handful of kids from a specific 
school or organization like Boys and Girls Club or a middle school campus somewhere. And how we look at that, you know, is what we want is all, well, first off, we want all kids. And we have some programs that are like all seventh graders from a single school site. And then Mm -hmm. change the entire culture of your campus because all your seventh graders, kind of like that hell year, right? That year where you're like, who am I? You look in the mirror and you might seem like to everyone else, you've got it together, but your mirror says, yeah, I don't have it together, right? So (laughs) the seventh grade is just a really kind of crazy year. So some schools do that. And then, and that's our outdoor leadership program. And then, then legacy is just a compilation of people from everywhere. And if we have people call or parents call or schools, how do we do this? We just say, hey, look, you know, you bring 10 or more and we can discount you and we want to make impact on your campus. And that starts with impact with each individual. And so we're really focused on both my personal growth, your growth, everyone's growth, and then our growth together. So tell me what it looks like for a young person to get involved and go to an all it takes getaway. (laughs) That's the great mystery. Don't you know that? No. Um, (laughs) So I want to go back. I'm going to answer that. And then I want to go back and tell you how we want to choose leaders too, because I think it's interesting. Oh, I have a lot of questions on that too. Okay, great. Great. So what does it look like when you come to legacy? Well, first off, you get dropped off, however that is on a bus or out of a car, Um, a car that barely runs or a car that is a Bentley. It's a little bit of everyone. And that's brilliant. Like we have people who, you know, live seven miles from the beach and have never touched the sand. And we have people who come who've been around the world on private jets and you bring everybody together and it's a whole new experience of who humans are. And so when you get off out of your vehicle and you check in instantly, we're, we're with people we don't know. And right there in itself, if ever, if a seventh grader, eighth grader knows that they're like, yeah, thanks. No. And then they hear, Oh, and by the way, we check your phone in and there's no <laughs> phone for four days. Now, parents love that and kids are like, no way. Um, And the reality is, is I could bring you to interview any of our students who are like, that was the hardest thing to give up and the best thing I did. Because and literally I have kids who are like shaking as they put their phone in the lockbox and like kind of like shaking when they get it back. And everything in between, though, is all about our humanity. And so it's a brilliant way to come in let go of some things that we think we have to have. Like we're so attached to our devices that it actually feels like a limb. And when we watch them give them up, it feels like they're giving up a limb. (laughs) Um, And then it just becomes not a big deal. But, Mm -hmm. you know, some kids are like, I'm not going because of that. And then a lot of parents are courageous enough and we invite parents to be courageous enough to say, yes, you are anyways, because you know, our kids can be really loud and really unruly with what they want, what they don't want. So um, we invite parents to be really strong in that. Like it's going to be worth it. It's four days. Everybody can do four days, no matter whether you like it or not. And so then the magic starts because then when we don't have a device, we can actually start to see somebody else. And the entire weekend is experiential. So Mm. very little talk and a lot more in it because we believe that I can tell you something, but it just sounds like blah, 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 blah. Every time an adult tells a child something, it's like finger pointing. And there's just this dismissive like, okay, 
I'll tell you what you want. I'll smile. I'll say sorry. And I won't mean it because I really don't understand the impact of it. So everything we do is based in getting to some sort of emotion. Whether we like the emotion or we don't like the emotion, when we feel something, we cannot ever forget what the impact was. So then we say, I felt happy. I felt safe. I felt secure. I felt um, courageous. I want more of that. Mm -hmm. Or I felt insecure, unsafe. I don't want more of that. And then we encourage kids and, and empower them with the actual skills to decide for themselves what they want more of. And then to go after that rather than saying, oh, well, that felt bad. You shouldn't do that anymore. We just like don't like the should have, would have, could have words. We want our kids to look at it within, like check in with themselves and be like, hmm, I want more of that. I don't want more of that. And really believe because they've experienced their power, their own strength to actually make the changes they want to make, to have the experiences they want to have. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I know. I'm going to say this. I know I didn't yeah. tell you a whole lot about what they do, and that's on purpose. <laughs> I, you know, like they will laugh and maybe have some tears. They will have adventure that they've never had before. They'll push up against their greatest fears and they'll experience their greatest strength. And they'll do that both individually and collectively. And then they'll know that they're here for a reason on this planet. So you say that you're not going to tell us what they do, and that's for a reason. It's all secret camp, secret hideaway camp. I don't want um, to be secret. I don't want any parent to think she won't tell us. I can't, you know, you can watch videos, uh, you know, on our website yeah. and see kind of what we do. But so it's all interactive. So I can tell you yeah. that I would sit with you in eye contact at one point. I can tell you that, I, you know, our kids are climbing high ropes at one point or, and they're going you know, our whole goal is to get every child, every youth to go one step further than they believe or want to go. So if I believe I can go only, you know, one step up that ladder for ropes, we're going to look for nudging you, empowering you to go two steps. And if you just don't want to, we're going to empower you to, to give it a shot. Because when the, I think on your website, there was all this thing about fear, right? Like, Fear stops us. Well, if we don't experience the overcome of fear that stops us, then how in the world do we ever overcome the obstacles that are sure to face us in life? Yeah, amen to that. And ultimately, it's the results that matter. Whatever you're doing, whatever the, the curriculum is, which I'm sure changes and modifies and evolves and grows as you get more and more feedback and experience, um, it's how do these kids mature into their leadership roles, right? Does it work? So I'm curious, you've been doing this long enough now where you have some adults out there that have been in the program. What are some cool, do you have people that come back to you again and again, or do you have some amazing feedback that just tells you in the office, which I know nonprofit work can be not always rewarding on the day to day because it's just so much grind and you've got to fundraise and all this kind of stuff. But it's, it's when people come and say, Hey, you changed my life, Lori, that you're like, ah, yeah, I can do this. That's my payment. Do you get that often? Give give us some idea of, of the feedback. So just uh, two weeks ago today, I think it is, we did um, actually a live stream and we had nine 
eight of our alumni come back. And what was really great is they were from the ages of 17. I can send you the link to this. They were 17 to 33. So two of the alumni were actually pre all it takes. They were students who found us, one found us on Facebook and one found me on LinkedIn to say that what I did with you as a counselor, which is just simply all it takes is an evolution of what I did as a counselor, changed my life and here's how. And I was in tears. Like there is nothing better than hearing that not only did we give somebody an exceptional weekend, Nobody wants to fund a fun weekend. People are interested in funding an elevated lifetime. And when we had this discussion with 17 and 33-year-olds, I was in tears because the 33-year-old one woman came to me. She was a seventh grader in 2001. And she was at a school site I was at. And she literally said, I was picked. I came straight from the Middle East. I didn't speak almost any English, and I don't know why you chose me for the program you chose me for, but you did, and it changed my life. And she was able to say who she is today because of that belief in her then. Mm. And like, and she found me on LinkedIn about two years ago. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that we all hope for, but we don't all get that kind of feedback, you know? Yeah. And so to get it and to know that the the skills and the worth that we're creating can live long into a future is everything. And so, you know, I I would encourage you to talk to some of our alumni. You're doing these podcasts. Talk to some kids. Yeah, that sounds great. Talk Give to me. a 17-year-old or a 20-year-old and be like, what is it? You know, one girl shared on that live stream that she was suicidal before somebody talked her into coming to legacy. And she is now one of our strongest mentors and she's been back at least five times. And she comes back and sits in small groups with new students being for them what someone was for her. And it's, again, like it's, it's, it's challenging to listen to their stories and not just drop straight into my heart in gratitude that, you know, like you said, nonprofit work's not easy. Um, but that I was, you know, I don't know, guided to be here and said yes to that because, you know, that's definitely my calling. And that's something that we always want to showcase, which is that moment when someone takes that, that big jump into their, you know, nice work, that leap of faith where you have to, um, trust that your passion is is the right direction, right? And so you did that. You spent 28 years as a school counselor, right? And that is some worthy work. That is some clear evidence that this is something that is true to your heart and true to the fabric of who you are. But that's that's not only is it wildly highly paid work like the rest of, of you know, academia um, in California education, uh, <laughs> That's, but at least it's, 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 it's a steady thing. You have your job, right? Yeah. Moving over into starting your own nonprofit organization. That's crazy. 
<laughs> okay. Um, unless you have like a Guggenheim or something giving you a wild endowment or something, but there's so much of, you have to generate, you have to fundraise for your own, for your staff all the time. Um, and that's really hard work because what you want to be doing is the work. What you want to be doing is helping children, helping other people, empowering people, growing these leaders. Um, when you made the jump into starting this organization, did you know what you were getting into? Did you know that it was going to be such a, a daily sacrifice? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and for 10 years, I really was the lead. Um, we have just recently you know, been um, blessed with the opportunity to, to bring somebody else in to do these pieces that I'm not good at. Like, you know, we were after 10 years. <laughs> yeah, after 10 years. Um, and there's a lot of pieces of this that I'm not good at, right? Did just enough to keep us barely alive. Um, and, and not enough for us to, you know, the, the infrastructure piece of the things I'm not good at. Um, I could just, you know, we could get by, I could figure it out enough, but not enough to thrive into us being super expansive. Uh, the pandemic actually helped us with that, which is so unusual, which is, I don't know, like I look at the pandemic and for all it takes, it was a good thing. Um, on the point of, you know, our expansion, but, you know, I think that one of the things that's been challenging for me is you know, I decided young that if anything was going to happen, it was going to be me who did it. And that's not really a great life skill, <laughs> you know, because then you sort of push people away. And and my leadership was enough, but not good enough. And, okay. and then the flip side is it's good enough because it's, you know, it's it's so it has been a challenge because my wheelhouse is curriculum writing. My wheelhouse is program. My wheelhouse is communication and relationship building. And that's what I do really well. And so, you know, and I, I want to speak to something you said, like, you know, there's a lot of obstacles or hurdles. And, you know, I, I had a lot of people that I trusted and I love dearly and they had my back and loved me and said, why do you keep doing this? And I had to lean into something that I knew in my soul was the right thing to do, even when it didn't look that way on paper and it didn't look that way in person. And people were, you know, even my kids worried about my exhaustion and my health and why are you doing this? And that there's something in me that is so much bigger than all of those voices, which really were in my ear and I had to go, I had to, I had to fight that what's in my head and what's in my heart and keep pushing forward. And that was not always easy. It's easier now, but it wasn't, there was some times when it was really not easy. I recently talked with uh, on this podcast, uh, the co-founder with his wife of Raleigh denim workshop, which is uh, an incredible I'm actually wearing their jeans right now. Uh, incredible <laughs> denim maker. And he says on the podcast something very similar, which is we had no idea what we're getting into. We didn't have any expertise in this with, mm -hmm. at all, but we had a huge passion for it. We had a passion for expressing ourselves and be, being able to create something the right way, a business, you know, with uh, in terms of how you pay employees, where you get your resources, your materials, all this stuff, and reinvigorating uh, an industry in a small town. They had a lot of passion and zero expertise. 
right? This is what you're talking about. You have a lot of passion, but zero expertise in starting a nonprofit and all that paperwork and all that. Just, ah. I love the fact that again and again, I'm finding examples and we can all find them if we just talk to our friends because it's so common, more common than we know, that passion is worth as much or not more than expertise. Because we're all pretty darn smart. We're human beings and we can learn these things. We can muddle through, you know, but when you run out of the passion, even if you're the best at the, in the world at something, you could be the best tennis player, the best chess champion. But when you're not passionate about it, you're no longer the best, right? That's my rambling way of just saying, I really want to just get people out there who are listening, who are maybe not sure that they're good enough whatever that means, at what it is that they're thinking about doing, Mm -hmm. forget about that. If you're seriously passionate about it, you'll be good enough or or your passion will be so contagious that people who are better than you will take you under their wing or say, you know what? I want to be working with you because that passion will power them up. It'll charge them up. So don't worry about expertise so much. It'll come. Absolutely. And that's what we want every youth to, to know that they, you know, their dreams matter and their passion and their purpose is what's going to drive their life joy. Yeah. You know, not the paycheck. And, you know, that's a side benefit because our internal joy is is what drives our life force or it's what sinks our life force, right? Dampens it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I also, I just want to speak to the nice piece of what you're doing. Like when we're in purpose, that's our purpose, not someone else's. We're happy and happy people are kind to each other. You know, that's the idea. That's the hope, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, I, I actually think that hurt people can't be nice, right? Like nice people are healthy people. And, and healthy doesn't necessarily mean, well, doesn't mean because life's hard, right? Like, so healthy doesn't mean life is perfect and easy and everything's falling into place and it's the right paycheck and the right house and the right relationship and the right, right, right. That's not it at all. It's this internal ability to navigate all that's not right because we still understand our worth and our value and we believe in the same for others. And if we can be there, our mental health is better. You know, our connection to others is better. Our, you know, our mirror tells us a story of beauty and grace and kindness and ease, not of my nose is not right. That's so true. Being able to look in the mirror and see yourself and not get that weird dysmorphia. Yeah, I think that's the word where, you know, you just look at yourself and you're like, ah, I don't even like that person. You know, that's a challenge. It's tough to do. It's tough to look in the mirror and go, oh, hey, I see you. So I'll give you a a hint. Yeah. One of the activities that I didn't share a whole lot of is a mirror activity. I knew I'd get one out of you. It's It's an art piece where literally there's a reflection in a mirror and then an art build of the frame around the mirror. That's who we are, what my gifts are. We always look at what's wrong. You know, when I was the middle school age that I currently now serve, the freckles on my body were like Medusa snakes on my head, right? Like they were just like, like I was never going to be anything because freckles. Like, you know, I look back, I'm like, wow, how, you know, and I don't, that's not a parent issue. It's not something someone did to me or said to me. 
but there's a, oh, there was an internal place that I did that to myself because I didn't have the skills to counter that belief system. I had a real struggle a few months ago. I was looking in the mirror and I just was looking at myself like, where is that 12 year old, that 10 year old Todd, just physically, like, I don't see any of that. And I just, it took me a while. I was looking in the mirror and looking in the mirror. I'm like, and I really had this, like, who is that guy moment? And I actually went out into the garage, got some old photos out and looked at the photos, looked in the mirror and I was still struggling. I'm like, I don't know. Is that the same person? And it threw me for a loop for a few days. It really did. But it was a good loop. It all, at first, it was a bit jarring yeah. because I thought, am I disconnected? I've always felt pretty connected with that guy, you know, that kid. Mm -hmm. um, but it just made me kind of think a little bit more. I went back to some photos. I went back to the mirror. And I'm like, okay, a little bit, you know, I, I can see him. I can still see you in the eyes. It's the crooked teeth. I see it in the teeth, <laughs> you know, little things like that. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of came back. Um, it was a real interesting process just a few months ago. It was completely out of the blue. I hadn't planned it. Right. I, I had something recently too, where for me, it was my four-year-old self who oh. took my hand as we went walking through a forest. It was oh. really interesting. And like, I felt disconnected from, I, I am actually working to find connection to the joyful, youthful, playful before somehow I got afraid of the world person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I think that any kind of work that we do, whether it comes because of something that is triggering or it just comes randomly, like you're like, it's out of the blue. You know, like you said, at one of the part of the beginning of this time together, something about where is it like in our 20s or somewhere where we sort of disconnect and we forget about all of those things that really did have a big impact on getting us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's important because we're not a different person than that person. I'm not different than the four-year-old. I just sort of lost her along the way at some point. And you for the 12-year-old, right? I just, there, there's a beauty in what if we can offer our kids the opportunity to never lose that connection? What if we can have a 20-year-old remember both the pain and the joy of those years coming up from zero mm -hmm. to 18 or 20 and then take what we like, acknowledge the stuff we didn't like and move forward with greater conscious skills because of that and not be afraid of the fear piece. Yeah. And kids notice when adults are still connected. Those are the ones that they learn from and that they trust. The, the, the adults, the majority that are disconnected, that no longer are in touch with the age that that child is, you know, you, you feel it. You notice it. You remember these adults later on. You remember these adults that were still connected. These are the ones that stood out from the pack, this random friend of a parent or this uncle or aunt or whatever. Like, oh, they were great. Because they saw me because they still saw themselves. I mean, I believe that. I believe that's where the difference is. I believe that that's where when, when I was young and I had these impactful adults that had that sparkle still, they were just still connected. So it's important for us as parents, and not just as parents, but as adults walking through the world who encounter children all the time, uh, if we want to have an impact on them, we've got to be able to maintain that connection. Oh, I have so much to say about what you just said. So 
I just want to share that, you know, over the pandemic, we, because we couldn't be in person, which is what 100% of our work had been, we've made a film on building trusted relationships. And we did it based in science. And all of the research says exactly what you're saying, that healing and recovery and emotional wellness all is based in trust and and trust is built in authentic relationships. And this film has gone worldwide. It's got over 5 million kids being supported through those adults who've watched the film now. And it had no funding and no marketing. It is touching educators in a way that nothing else in existence is doing. So when you talk about what you think, so Todd, what your just intuition and your experience says is exactly what the science and the research says. Where do we find that film? It's called a trust. You can find it at a trusted space.org or all it takes.org. Either one gets you to the film. It's one of, it is the biggest thing we've been doing for a year. And Todd, you're going to love it, especially because you're talking about education and the California system. And you're, so I think that you're going to love this film. It's free. Everyone can access it. It's really great for every parent and especially every educator, every person who influences kids. And that was the other thing I wanted to, to speak to that you had just said, if you impact kids, well, I'd like to say that if we are in the presence of a child, we are influencing them 100% in every moment we're with them. And we teach kids that, that 100% of us are leaders in that 100% of us are influencers. And kids are now all wrapped up in the influencers on Instagram. Well, you know what? Guess what? I'm an influencer sitting here with you, and I'm either elevating your day or I'm dragging it down. My smile, my frown, my authentic truth, my lie, whatever it is I'm doing or saying in front of another human being is influencing them always. That's an important thing to remember. And I, I forget that a lot. I think people in, in don't front of my kids. It. Yeah. No, you just, it's something to remember. Yeah. You're always influencing because you're always on yeah. because we're alive. Okay. There's a quote from your site that I love and I just want to, I'll read it quickly because it's a little long, but it's, it's great. We see a world with people who have what it takes to be leaders, both in their own lives and for others. Leaders who, through purposeful and compassionate action, make positive changes in their schools, communities, and ultimately our world. We see a world where all people are empowered with the tools, confidence, and awareness they need to inspire sustainable forward momentum that matters most to them. I love that. Okay. I'm just, that's the super nice club. Uh, I'm going to put that on our site. (laughs) I want that world. Okay. This is why we're talking because looking at that going, God, this is, if you want a world that's 10% nicer, we're going to have to have the leadership that is just grows up with that. So we believe at the super nice club that we already have 8 billion members and they just need to be reminded you know, slash activated to help make the world nicer. So I'm wondering, Lori, if you similarly believe that we already have 8 billion leaders, is everyone a born leader? Everyone's a leader. Everyone's a leader in the fact that everyone's an influencer. And there's a lot of conversation around leadership means that I'm standing in front of a group and I'm bringing them with me. Mm -hmm. I might never, I might be most comfortable sitting, you know, in a cubby, designing a video game or, you know, getting the next engine that's going to get us to Mars or whatever. And I might not have a lot of communication with other people. However, 
I am influencing them when I go to the grocery store and I and I either say thank you to the person who checks me out or I dismiss them and I turn a cold shoulder to them. Right. A hundred percent of the time we are in a leadership role simply because we're influencing somebody else. And we are in our brain and our little voice, the one that our audience is saying, what little voice is she talking about? That little voice is influencing us in our own action and a belief system about who we are at every moment. And so inherently, we cannot not be a leader and we're influencing at all moments. So what is our choice on who we want to be as an influencer? Because then that's our choice on who we want to be as a leader. I'm, I'm buying what you're selling here. Uh, I really am. I mean, I was going to ask you, what does leadership mean? But you pretty much just described it. And I'm wondering, why do you think that our society tends to just sort of reflexively dismiss the leadership capabilities of our youth? I think yeah. that so many of us in the world are still sit down, shut up, be quiet, do what I say. So there's a lot of that going on, which never gives our children a chance to even explore who they are, right? And then I think actually the pendulum has swung for a good portion of our population to the other side that says, hey, you're everything and I'm going to tell you how great and everything you are, but I'm actually not going to teach you the skills on what to do with that so that you can feel both confident in yourself and in your contribution, and so I, I really, I think that we can't hear kids because we're not authentically listening to them. And we, this is the biggest one. You could cut all that other stuff out. <laughs> we do not listen to our kids and give them the chance to show us what they know. Inherently, we're really, even those of us who are giving our kids the biggest voices and giving them everything and every opportunity, we're not saying we believe in you enough to believe in yourself to get life done. I call it the 1882 rule. If we give every child a hundred years, let's just bless. The law says at 18, we're done. Literally, they have to be on their own and able to capably make decisions that keep them out of trouble because we have no say. And when my kid turned 18, and like two days later, the doctor's office wouldn't talk to me. It was kind of jarring like oh i have to get permission from her for you to talk to me but mm -hmm. that is how the law changes right at 18 the day whether they're ready or not we bless them with 100 years we have 18 percent of their lives to prepare them to do an amazing healthy contributing altruistic purpose-driven decision-making adulthood that's not very much time yeah. So we have to actually be letting our kids know we believe in them and letting them do things for themselves so they can bump around when there's still a handout to help them up, but not get them up. And so our work is literally, we believe in you. And when you fall down, I'm going to put a handout, but I'm going to ask you how to get back up. I'm not going to tell you how to get back up because I believe in you. And I believe that if you grapple a little bit with your unease in the situation, you're going to come out of the situation on top and you're going to recover from the disappointments and you're going to recover from those pain points and you're going to celebrate in all of the joy. 
I, I just, I think that's it, Todd. We don't show our kids how much we believe in their capacity to do life. We do too much of their life for them. That's, as a parent, it's just such a, you're trying to figure that out. It's a bit of a tightrope. Like, how much do I do? How much do I don't do? We live in a, I had a different podcast on this entire subject of, of helicoptering, you know, as parents um, with uh, Lenore Skenazy, who founded the Free Range Kids Movement. Uh, so, yeah, it is something that, that we're trying to relearn, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'm also always a bit perplexed by this idea that, uh, you know, when you go to vote, when you're 18, 22, 25, like the things that you're voting on then are going to impact you, like you said, for 82 more years. Yeah. You know, but the people who vote the most are in their 60s and 70s and they're voting for short-term interests. That's not a bad thing. It's just a human thing. But I, I sure wish that as a society we could recognize that when we pass laws and elect presidents, these things are impacting one group more than the other. Mm -hmm. Does that mean maybe... When you're 18, your vote should be worth 1.2 votes. And when you're 90, it should be worth 0.9. That might seem like wild to people, but I kind of like the idea. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. Um, that's, that's you our know. lifespan, right? That's how much. Yeah. It, yeah. An interesting thing to think about. I've never thought about that. And I. I Maybe it's a terrible idea. I just spun it out. No. But um, uh, I don't I don't mean to um, disempower anyone, but just the reality of how much more future generations, uh, younger generations are being impacted by the decisions we make today. And at the same time, how we tend to dismiss those younger people as naive, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like actually- Yeah, they're not they're, naive. No. No. You know, not at all. In fact, um, they're thinking deeper. Our current generation of kids are glorious. Like they are so much more insightful than I ever was at their age, I believe as a collective. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I was always really insightful. I'm kind of like the weird one, and I always knew I was the weird one. But the people I circled around weren't. But our mm -hmm. kids today are a generation of observers. They're a generation of impact what's happening in the world and what that's going to look like for them later on. I talk to kids who are 16, 17, 15, who are worried now about having kids because their kids might not have a planet. And that's, you know, when you read the quote, like, regardless of what you want, what you believe, I'm not trying to say what you should believe. People are like, are you selling out? I'm like, no, I have my beliefs. They're very strong, but they're mine. And my beliefs are not your beliefs necessarily. I just want you to actually consciously believe and then go do something with what you believe, whatever that is. And, you know, I think that's all going to work out to all of our best interest when our kids do that. <laughs> and I, because I believe in our kids, but we're not giving them that courtesy. We're not giving them that trust and faith. And I believe we need to be. So, you know, we work equally with adults now. We always used to only work with kids, but now we're working equally with adults and with kids to say, look, we have to have the skills. Like you said, as a parent, it's confusing. But as a parent, your job really is to prepare for that 82%. Your organization, along those lines, promotes a template that I love and that is equally applicable to anybody of any age. It's called Notice, Choose, Act. And I absolutely loved reading this. It's this quick mantra 
that is replacing it's as of the other day replaced my current or my old now one which was respond don't react uh-huh. you know uh, but notice choose act is a more complete it guides me through more thoughtful steps tell us more about what notice choose act is how it's part of your would you say curriculum or just mm-hmm. your 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 guidance kind of framework that is the basis for how we get to solu- how we we have ideas and then how do we get to the ideas is notice choose act right and so and that's for anybody a corporate boardroom a lunchroom kids kindergartners you know it's anybody can learn it because we can't change anything or make something better or create something new that doesn't even exist anymore i mean hasn't already existed if we don't first notice where a gap is and we often, like, think about schools, and then we're talking about kids here. Think about the, the middle school campus. The kid who sits alone every single day is never not going to be alone if others don't notice the kids alone first. Mm. Period. And then how do we feel about it? Like, notice what it's awareness. Notice is awareness of our surroundings. As notice our little voice. Does my little voice tell me in my mirror that I'm okay or I'm not okay? Right. Notice how I feel in situations, who my friends make the friends that make me feel good or not good. It's awareness. And it's not it's it's also then looking at the feelings that are associated with what we notice and then the behaviors associated with those feelings. So for the night, you know, in this in your super nice club. Right. We cannot pay attention to being nicer, getting to the nicer. Right. If we don't notice first where we're not nice. And why? If I'm not being nice, it's because I'm hurting in some way. What is that? And how do I do something about it? Which is choose. If I notice something that I don't like, I can do something different. But first, I have to consciously decide and pay attention to what I need, which was what's missing in notice, and what I want instead. So choose is intention. Mm-hmm. Right. It, that's what I intend to have in my life. But choose is the trick. They're all a little tricky, but choose, I think, might right. be the trickiest because it's the New Year's resolution. Yeah. Many of us make an intention and then we absolutely never get there because results only happen in action. Period. We have to act in ways that get us what we choose, that eliminate what we noticed. And this template can be obviously applied to larger decisions in life, but it can also be applied to small things, like when somebody cuts you off in traffic, things like this, right? For, for me, it was respond, don't react, but notice, choose, act also gives you the ability to uh, insert a little bit of empathy, sympathy, whichever is applicable there, um, putting yourself in that person's frame, taking a look at context, you know, it's, it's a little bit larger. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine as you move forward with this notice, choose, act in mind, it becomes uh, your muscle memory. Yep. It becomes faster. You notice more quickly. You choose more quickly. You act, you know, you. Yeah, you don't go through a mindset. template each time. Right, it's, right, right, right. You right. go through the phases. And so I like to say, look, here's a template. Learn it in concrete. And then it'll become just your own words, your own you. My challenge to you listeners is to think about notice, choose, act. This is something that if you put it into play, can be a big part of your daily sort of 
contribution to a 10% nicer world, uh, go to Lori's site, allittakes.org. The links to all this stuff are in the show notes. And take a look. Just scroll down to the bottom of the front page. It talks about Notice, Choose, Act, and see if it resonates with you like it does with me. I bet it does. If you're listening to this, it probably will. Notice, Choose, Act is something for you, friends, kids, something I'm going to talk to my boys about. And I would love to hear from any of you uh, what your thoughts are on that. Do I need to bribe anyone to do this? Let me see. God, yeah, probably do. I know that's awful, but I'm going to bribe you anyway, because I like to do some sort of giveaway on every episode. So the first one of you that texts me your impression of Notice, Choose, Act, just give me some thoughts. Uh, text it to 310-421-0393. Uh, I'll send you, um, I don't know, Sure. Hat. Pick something on the website. Send it your way. I would just love to hear from you guys. And I, you know, if Super Nice Club was funded by billionaires, I'd say the first hundred of you, but no, just the first one. So it's a race. Ready, set, go. I also want to make sure that people know how to get involved, Lori. Like people that are listening to, to this ramble fest on my end, it's always like that. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> How can they go to All It Takes? Where Where's the best place for them to plug in? So it depends on what people want to do, right? Become mm-hmm. a volunteer. You can find a volunteer form on our website. Enroll your child in Legacy. Send mm-hmm. contact us if you're a school or you're a club and you want to bring more than you know more than one kid. You know, contact us so we could figure out how to make it doable financially for you. Send your kids, believe in their better best, believe in their ability to love themselves so much that they cannot help but be nice and love everyone else in the world. And when you believe in that, then we have to give them the skills. It doesn't Mm -hmm. just happen. And that's what we're really good at. And if people want to volunteer, what does volunteering look like for all it takes? So volunteering can be office stuff here and there. It can mostly it is in programming. So um, it's our younger adults and our later teenagers, you know, college kids. That's mostly where our volunteers come from. And they come to our programs and we discount it greatly. So, you know, they're they're there in contribution and come to our programs and are in service to our youth who are just participating for the first time. And like I said earlier, if you have never been to an AIT program, we put you in what we call a mentor in training program. So if you don't qualify in seventh grade in 12 to 15 year old, we will train you to be able to sit with those students and elevate their lives. And we have one of our trainers, long term trainers, and she says this, you cannot teach this stuff and not have it rub out, rub off on you. So by inherently being a part of a program, we are better people, mm. happier yeah. people. And then, of course, I have to bring it up. There's that whole funding thing. This is a nonprofit. So, folks, my guess is there's probably a donate button on the website. And also, there's probably, and I haven't checked with Lori, when you click that donate, there's probably an option to be a monthly giver monthly giving. Am I right? Yes, you're right. Yes. Monthly giving is the heart and soul for nonprofits, even if it's just five bucks, 10 bucks, because they can count on that. They can look at that and and budget it more or less because monthly givers 
are pretty consistent. They only they drop off at a pretty predictable rate, right? Yeah. So if you like what Lori has to say, even if you don't have a kid, but you're like, man, I just hope the next generation is empowered and leader, and I'm you know older now, and I want to make sure they take care of me. Um, to be sure of that you got to have great leaders who have uh, who have been taught by wonderful, kind people. That's my belief. So if you believe that and you're looking to support that, I would encourage you to take a look at allittakes.org and see if you're interested in, in supporting that a little bit financially. You know, that's, it's a real soft pitch. Super Nice Club doesn't really push people to, to spend their money on anything. But uh, if you want to, I, I think all it takes is, is worthy of it. Todd, thank you for that. Yeah. You know, you say it's a soft pitch. For me, that was a loud pitch. That was um, really beautiful and so appreciated and rarely done um, in our world. So I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you believe in this work and you believe in our future generation to the point that you would ask your audience that. It's really special and kind um, and worthy, and I really appreciate it. You know, our kids are 25% of our current population. They are 100% of our future population, and we must be giving them the skills to be accountable, responsible, compassionate, empathetic, purpose-driven human beings. Absolutely. Amen to that. <laughs> so we wrap these with two quick things. One is the super nice challenge. This is something where you can issue a challenge to the listeners, uh, just something they can do to make their world a little nicer place. You got one? You've got that. You show, she's showing me the big thumbs up, two thumbs up and a big grin. This is going to be a good one. Go. Thank everyone who supports your life being easier. From the person who pours you water in a restaurant to the person who checks you out in a grocery store, to the person who waves you through a crosswalk. Thank them. Make eye contact with them. Smile at them. Make the world a better place simply because you appreciate those who make your life just a little bit easier. Even if they're getting paid for it, that's not the point. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. And I, I really do try to make it a habit. The key there to what Lori said, folks, is the eye contact. Not creepy eye contact. Just no, right. just just not just scary. when you're saying when you're saying thanks, just say thank you and hold it while you're saying the whole thing. Right. And that is contagious. That makes people who are, yeah, they're getting paid some nominal wage. And I've worked so many of these jobs, uh, checking you out at the grocery store, but they're burned. And that little thank you, it's a little bit of energy, even if they don't, don't expect reciprocity, but know that it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. I read that on your site. You know what? True giving and true kindness has absolutely no attachment to a return. That's how I speak it. I love that. And then do you this is the part where you get to ask me a question. Do you have a question for me? Any question? Um, how do we stay involved? What is the best way for all it takes to share out what Super Nice Club is doing? That's a lovely question. And that's a first uh, from a guest. Um, we don't ask anything of our guests aside from their time. That's it, uh, which you've already given. Uh, love that. If you feel that this podcast is a good one, you know, and you want to share it out to your people, that's all that we ask. Uh, we're always open to partnerships with nonprofits. 
Uh, and we've done a few with uh, on the uh, unsheltered population and things like that. So if there's a room that makes sense to partner with Super Nice Club, you know, we can definitely have that conversation. Um, but really nothing. I just love the fact that you're here talking and inspiring club members and listeners to this podcast to uh, learn more about your mission, um, because your mission is one that is part of making the world a nicer place. It's, it's consistent with everything that we're doing. Yeah. And we're grateful for it. Well, we want to share your podcast, both this one and all of them out and make people, you know, aware that you exist and that, you know, there are people out there like us and different than us still sharing the the power of kindness, the power of being nice, and not only the power of it, but the urgency of it. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me on, Todd. Thanks for being on. And uh, I'm looking forward just to seeing what you get up to and supporting whatever that is. Well, you're in LA. You should come to Legacy. Come to Legacy with us in November. Sounds like a plan. Okay. And so there we have it, a super nice conversation with super nice Lori Woodley of All It Takes. I mean, how can you not want to get behind the people who are getting behind our kids, the kids, whether you're a parent or not, just the youth uh, externalized, you know, uh, in in human form uh, as actual kids and the kids within us, all right? Got to connect Got to connect all of the adults and all of the kids, and that's how we have a real healthy culture, right? Uh, so I hope you enjoyed, Lori. I hope that inspired you to take a look at allittakes.org. Uh, they have a November excursion and um, that you can sign up for actually right now. They're taking, I looked at the uh, site, they're taking reservations right now for your kid. You can also go on there and see if you can maybe get your, uh, your kid and all of her or his classmates uh, together in on this kind of thing because bringing out the leadership within our children is, I'm going to say it's kind of job number one. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think we already agreed on this in the intro earlier in this episode. So I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Check out allittakes.org, please. Wonderful organization, great people. Next episode, which is going to be two weeks from this day is with lo-fi pop music maker and producer and heralded acclaimed amazing Emmett Kai out of Brooklyn. Emmett Kai's got uh, new music coming out soon. We're going to sort of debut his latest song. When I say sort, it's just because it'll technically have debuted a couple days prior, but you know, that's a sort of debut. That's a new thing in, in pop. Um, maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't checked it out. It's, there's like sort of debut playlists on Spotify and stuff. I'm pretty sure in a different universe, parallel timeline, low key. Love you. Stay nice, everyone.
If you wanted to be nicer, then you could put away your clothes. If you wanted to be nicer, you can teach everything you know. So what? Big deal. 